If you have your Bibles this morning, please turn them to Luke chapter number 18. Luke chapter 18 is what we're going to look at today. And we're just going to be looking at about five or six verses here, verses 9 through 14. Um, thank you so much, worship, ta- worship team, for all that you do. Thank you for leading us into the presence of God this morning. I love that song, Broken Vessels. I love both of those songs. Um, how many of you know, because of God's reckless love, that he puts broken vessels back together? And I want you to understand and know today that the church was never meant to be a, a museum for saints, but a hospital for sinners. The church is a place for broken people. And so if you're here this morning and you've got problems, you've got hang-ups, you still make mistakes, join the crowd. We all here need the grace of God. Amen? And it, again, we're all broken people being put back together by God's reckless love. And uh, this morning, I am thankful for that truth. What a blessing it is uh, to be able to sing praise unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in Luke chapter 18, starting with verse number 9, this morning we're going to read and talk about, preach about, the, the tale of two sinners. It's a story that Jesus tells here in Luke chapter 18, starting in the ninth verse. Listen to what he says. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Now, how many of you know this morning that Trust in yourselves is misplaced trust. (laughs) Then he goes on and says, And despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. He says in verse 11, The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. Now I want you to get the picture. Here you have this Pharisee, this um, leader among the Jews. The Pharisee was the most strict religious sect. And he's standing in the temple and he's looking over at this publican that's praying over beside him. And he sits up on his spiritual high horse and looks down his nose at this publican and he says, Lord, I'm so glad I'm not like him. (laughs) Then in verse 12 it says, I fast twice in the week and give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing far off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified. Everybody say justified. This man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for every one that exalteth himself shall be abased or brought low, and he that humbleth himself or makes himself low shall be exalted. Let's pray together. Father, we love you and we are so thankful for the truth of your word this morning. Lord, how good you are. That no matter where we are, your grace is enough to save us. I'm thankful today that you love us recklessly and you still put broken people back together. Lord, may we all realize our great need for you as we study through your scripture this tale of two sinners. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Luke chapter 18 is packed full of truth. I mean, on every verse, you're going to find something that you need to get a hold of. I've read through it this week, and I encourage you to read through it as well in your quiet time in the coming week. We're not going to look at all of it, but I do want to give you a quick rundown. In Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8, you have the story of a demanding widow. Jesus tells the story of a widow who won't take no for an answer, and it's really a story about prayer. And Jesus is saying, when you ask something from God, you keep asking, you keep seeking, you keep knocking. Can you say amen? 
And when God seems to not answer your prayer, he says, be persistent in your prayer life and you continually ask for what you need. And then he tells us something there um, in the uh, sixth verse. Hear what the unjust judge saith. Verse 7 says, And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? He says, if this unjust steward or this unjust judge uh, that he speaks of here in the first part of Luke 18 would hear the woman simply because she was persistent in her asking, how much more would a loving Heavenly Father hear his children? And so I want you to encourage you today, believer, and let you know that if you're praying and God hadn't answered, keep praying. If you're seeking and God hadn't shown you the way yet, keep seeking. If you're knocking and wanting the Lord to open up certain doors in your life and He hadn't opened them yet, you keep knocking. You be persistent in your prayer life. So it's a demanding widow in the first eight verses. In verses 18 through 34, you'll find the story of a dishonest youth. The Bible calls him the rich young ruler, and he was very dishonest about who he himself was, um, and he was very dishonest toward the Lord on what he had done and what he hadn't done. So the Lord makes it plain to him uh, exactly what he needs to know, that we all stand in need of a Savior. Can you say amen to that? And this young man thought because he was successful and he had been a very religious, pious young man all his life and tried to do what was right concerning the law, he thought himself to be made right with God and Jesus let him know, just like he lets all of us know, our great need for himself. So there's a dishonest youth in verses 18 through 34. And then in 35 through 43, you'll find the story of a determined beggar. And I love that one. I love to preach on that one. I may preach on it next week. But it's the story of a man who had a great need in his life. And he knew if he could just get Jesus to hear him, all could be made well with himself. And it certainly was. So there's great truth packed all throughout this chapter in the Word of God. But in verses 9 through 14, we certainly have a tale of two sinners. But there's also here in these verses a story of a deluded Pharisee. Now what do I mean by that? If someone is deluded, that means they are deceived. They are not viewing things properly. And that's certainly the case with this Pharisee here in verses 9 through 14. The first thing that I want you to see this morning is the perception of these two men, how they are perceived by others. In verse number 2 says, two men went up to the temple to pray. One of them was a Pharisee and one was a publican. Let's take both groups of people. First of all, let's talk about the Pharisees. We know that the Pharisee was the most strict religious sect among the Jewish people. The Pharisee was the ones who felt that it was by their own self-righteous works they were made right to, with God. <coughs> Excuse me. I've, y'all pray for you, Pastor, this morning. I've had a terrible cold this week, and um, I've took a bunch of cold medicine last night, and I'm praying this morning, and I want you to pray that I preach in the power of the Spirit, not in the power of the Sudafed. So... Um, <laughs> And that seems to be tough today, but y'all pray for me. So, <clears throat> excuse me, the publican, or excuse me, the Pharisee was among the most strict religious sect. I mean, they were the ones who had crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's, religiously speaking. I mean, they had jumped through all the hoops that man had told them they were to jump through to make themselves right with the Lord. I mean, they went to church every day. That They didn't just go once a week. They went to the temple every day. 365 days a year and studied the scripture. They knew the first five books or the Pentateuch, the books of the law in the Old Testament. 
They had memorized it by heart. These men knew the word of God. They went to the place of God. They went to the temple, but they missed the person of God when Jesus was standing right in front of them. Listen, they were very religious. They did everything that they could do in their own power to make themselves right with the Lord. That's the Pharisee. And I want you to know something else. The people perceived them to be religious. The people perceived them to be righteous and justified before the Lord. Do you remember what Jesus said when speaking of the Pharisees? He said it like this. He said, unless your righteousness exceed that of the scribe and Pharisees, ye shall not see the kingdom of God. So even though men perceive them to be righteous, even though men perceive them to be justified, how many of you understand this morning that God does not see as a man sees? God does not look at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. God looks at what's on the inside. Folks, I'm telling you, uh, it's good that God doesn't see as a man sees because many times we get it wrong. I mean, I may look at you and say, hey, I tell you what, that's a pretty good guy or that's a pretty good girl. And you may look at me and say, that's a pretty good guy. And you know what? By my estimation and by your estimation, we may both be right. But the problem is, none of us are going to be judged according to our standard. It's not about what we think of one another or of ourselves. And we'll see that in a minute. It's about what God knows to be true of us. The Pharisee had did everything he was supposed to do to make himself right. There's only one problem with that. None of us can make ourselves right with God by the things we do. See, what I've come to figure out is that Pharisees are, a, 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 listen, they're still alive and well all over the body of Christ today. There's Pharisees that are in Baptist churches, and there's Pharisees in Methodist churches, and there's Pharisees in Pentecostal churches, and there's Pharisees in non-denominational churches. There's Pharisees everywhere, even still today. It's the people who think, man, if I come to church and uh, I'll just be the best I can be, if I just try my best to do what's necessary in my power that God's somehow going to let me into His kingdom. They believe that one day they're going to stand before God the Father. There's going to be two great big scales. And everything they've done wrong is going to be on one scale and everything they've done right is going to be on the other scale by their estimation. And if somehow their good deeds outweigh their bad deeds that God's going to let them into His kingdom, let them into His heaven. Let me say something to you. The truth is this. Even our good things that we do when we don't know Jesus, God sees them as sinful. The Bible says in Isaiah 64 and 6 that our righteousness is. The good things we do are like filthy rags in the sight of God. Now what's that tell me? The good things that we try to do in our own power are not enough to make us right with a holy God. When you put our goodness up next to God's goodness, there's no comparison. God's standard is too high for us to achieve. That's why we need God's grace. God's standard is so high, He sees hatred is murder and lust is adultery. None of us can meet that. You may be a good guy by, by my standard, and I may, or a good girl by my standard, but I may be a good guy by your standard. But the truth is, all of us are guilty before a holy God. And there's a great problem right here in Luke chapter 18. You've got two sinners, but only one of them realize it. There's a lot of problems with this Pharisee. There's a lot of problems with Pharisees today. The first thing that I want you to see is the problem with his prayer. Look what the Bible says. <clears throat> Excuse me. The Bible says in 
Verse number 11, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, I thank thee that I'm not as the other men are. (laughs) How arrogant can you be? How prideful could you be to look at someone else and say, I'm so glad I'm not like him or I'm not like her. Oh, folks, listen to me. Except by the grace of God, I am the worst of the worst. The apostle Paul himself said that he was the chiefest of sinners. That great man of God. And so his problem in his prayer life is that his prayer was not to the Lord, but we'll see here, it's to himself. It's with himself. It's about himself. Prayer for the Pharisee was not an act of worship unto the Lord. It's not about having a relationship with God. Prayer for a Pharisee was the means by which they gained public recognition. Jesus said it. Look with me in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 5. Jesus said it here. He said, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues. He's speaking of the Pharisees. And they love to pray standing in the synagogues in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of me. And verily I say unto you, they have their reward. This Pharisee loved to everybody see him standing in the temple praying because he thought that made him Look, the righteous part, and it did to people. The only problem was, again, none of us are judged by men's standards. And God don't see things as a man sees things. God looks at the person's heart. This Pharisee had a great problem in his prayer life, but he also had a great problem with his person. I mean, how he viewed himself. He viewed himself as being a cut above. Somehow he was better than the old filthy publican, and we'll talk about him in a minute. But he saw himself as on a different plane than everyone else because of what he had done. I mean, he gives a whole list of the things he did. Look what he says. He says there he fasts twice in the week and gives tithes of all that he had. Now, the Jews were only required to fast once time, one time a year on the Day of Atonement. But this Pharisee said, Lord, I went above and beyond. Look at all this stuff I've done in his prayer. I mean, I don't just fast once a year. I fast twice a week. Now, let me ask you something. Does fasting twice, is there anything wrong with fasting twice a week? Absolutely not. I wish we had some folks who fasted and prayed twice a week. Nothing wrong with fasting twice a week, but there is something very wrong with the belief that it makes you right with God simply because you pray and fast. Simply because you do good things. The only way any of us can be made right with God is by God's grace. By God's mercy. Being applied to our heart and life because of faith in Jesus. That's it. Everybody look at me. You can't do enough. You can't be good enough. You can't come to church enough. Listen to me. You can't help a little, uh, enough little old ladies across the street to make yourself right with God. You need a Savior. I need a Savior. We all came here sinners. We're sinners in attitude and we're sinners in action. We've sinned in our thought life. We've sinned in our day-to-day lives. Each and every one of us.
My thoughts alone are enough to send me to a devil's hell uh, before a holy God. It really is. You know, you know what, I've said this before, I'll, I'll say it again this morning, that if you could take my thought life and just put it on this screen so that all of you could see what I was thinking from time to time, the thoughts that might enter my mind being in this flesh, you probably wouldn't let me preach tonight. You'd probably fire me as your pastor today. But guess what? If I, take, if I could take all of your thoughts and put them up on the screen, being in the flesh, I'd have a whole lot more to preach on tonight. What, what am I trying to say? <clears throat> Folks, we're all in the same boat. We're just sinners standing in need of a Savior. And this man was deluded. He was deceived because he believed by what he did, he was somehow better than someone else. Oh, listen. Man, every time I think about the mercy God has shown me, when I think about where I was, where I've been, and what he's done in my life, how he's blessed me, blows my mind, breaks my heart. I'm so very thankful for the mercy of God because we all need it. The problem was this man had the wrong view of self. The problem was he had a wrong view of his person, how he viewed himself, and he thought he was doing what was necessary to make himself right. I'm glad you're coming to church, but coming to church don't save you. I'm glad you read your Bible, but reading your Bible don't save you. I'm glad you've been baptized if you have, but being baptized don't save you. You've got to come to the place where you realize you're a sinner by the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. And you've got to do just like this old publican does. Watch. Look what the Bible says. I love this. The Bible says in verse 13, And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God... Be merciful to me, a sinner. This man realized his condition before a holy God. And he realized nothing he could do was enough. And so he just had to get real with Jesus. He just got real with the Lord and he said, I can't do it. In and of myself, I need you to do it for me. I'm a sinner. I'm not worthy of anything you bestow upon me, Lord. I'm a sinner. You're holy, you're righteous, and I'm not. <laughs> and that's true for all of us, isn't it? God, I need your grace and I need your mercy. You see, the publican was perceived by the people as being the chiefest sinner. The publican was a tax collector. The tax collector worked for the Roman government. The Roman government had control of the Jewish nation. So here you had a Jewish man collecting taxes for the Romans whom the Jews hated. This was the most hated man and hated profession in all the people. He was seen as the greatest sinner of them all. And guess what? He was a sinner. The good news is he realized it. 
The good news is he trusted in God's mercy, grace, and accepted God's love so that he might be made right with God. The bad news is the Pharisee who was perceived by the people to be the most righteous could not see his sinfulness because of his foolish pride. Folks, don't fall into that trap. Don't fall into the delusion of the enemy. He is a liar. He is out to deceive and trick others into thinking you can do enough to be right with God. You need God's grace. Jesus said, go to the next verse, brother. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified. Again, church, what does justified mean? Let's say it again. What does justified mean? Amen. Amen. You know what Jesus is saying? Here you have this Pharisee who's doing all this stuff to try to make himself right. And he's still wrong in the eyes of a holy God. He's trying to get himself to God by doing what he can do. And Jesus said, this old publican that everybody perceived to be such a worthless sinner, he just got real with the Lord and said, Lord, I need you. And Jesus said, because of that, this man was made right. He was justified in the eyes of a holy God. I'm telling you, salvation is so simple. Salvation is so simple that many times it trips us up. I'm convinced that if I told everybody in this congregation today, hey, if you want to be saved, let me tell you what you need to do. You need to go get $500 and bring it back and lay it on this altar, and I can guarantee you a place in heaven. I bet if you wouldn't say, I'm going to say if there was 100 lost people I was speaking to, I'm going to bet 99 of them, if I could get them to believe that they would bring that money back and lay it down, I could guarantee them a place in heaven. I bet 99 of them, if they had to go out and work for it, dig ditches for it, sell something for it, They'd get $500 and bring it back. But when I tell someone, all you've got to do is realize your need for Jesus, just like this publican. Hey, and fall down hopelessly and helplessly before the Lord Jesus and ask for Him to forgive you and save you. People won't do it. They keep wanting to do it themselves. When Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, He meant the the plan for the redemption of all mankind was finished right then and there. He paid the price that you and I couldn't pay, that we should have paid, so that we might go free. He tasted death for every man so that we might have eternal life. He did it for you and he did it for me. So I invite you today, listen to the tale of two sinners. It's important that we get a hold of this truth. And I want you to know, if you're here and you need Jesus and you know it, The Holy Spirit's convicted your heart. Today's the day that you need to be just like this publican and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need you to save me. If you'll do that, if you'll do that, today you can be born again into God's family. Everybody stand. The reason... None of us in our own power can make ourselves right with a holy God is that He can, He listen, 
God demands perfection. Do you hear me? He demands perfect righteousness. He's holy. He's light and in Him is no darkness at all. Folks, listen to me. None of us in our own power can do absolutely everything perfect and right. So guess what? Because of God's reckless love for you that we've already sang about this morning, He sent His Son to be born perfect, born of the virgin, free of the seed of man, the sin of man, to live perfect, and then go to a cross and take the punishment for your sin. So when we couldn't live perfect, Jesus lived perfect for us and then took the punishment for our wrong. And God said, that's enough. Jesus said, it is finished. Now all who want to be a part of the family of God, all who want to be born again into God's kingdom, into His family, you can do so. By placing your faith not in who you are, but in what Christ has done for you. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I trust in you. Are you willing to say that this morning? If not, you're playing a dangerous game with your eternity. If you know God spoke to your heart during this message, I want you to come and say, Brothers, I need to be saved. Again, I can't save you. Walking this aisle don't save you. Being in this church don't save you. But I can show you through the Word of God what it means to trust in Christ and be born again. The same one who has saved me can and will save you if you'll trust Him today. If you're here today and you want to pray for a lost loved one, come pray in these altars. These altars are always open. You've got problems in your life as a believer, come pray in these altars. These altars are always open. Whatever you need this morning, don't quench the Spirit. Be submissive to the will of God and you do what the Lord's leading you to do. Brother, play for us.